Yoga in all its forms has been a support for me in my life through all the highs and lows. It's opened my mind and my heart in ways I never knew were possible. It has been a teacher, a taskmaster, and a friend. This podcast is an offering. I wish to share the teachings of yoga with you as a tool to help navigate life. Namaste and welcome. Welcome back. I'm so happy you're here. I thought we would dive into the eight-limb path of yoga as put forth by Patanjali. Ashtanga yoga, as it is called in Sanskrit, Ashtanga means eight-limb. Not to be confused with Sri K. Patabi Joy's lineage of Ashtanga, limb, of Ashtanga yoga, which is also called a bit of a power yoga. This is Patanjali's Ashtanga, which is from a thousand, few thousand years ago, the text on yoga that really unpacks all that yoga is and all that yoga can be for us. So we've talked before about what is yoga, right? And yoga, the definition of the word yoga, because it is a Sanskrit word, is to yoke, to unite, uh, union with the body, mind, and spirit, union with the self and the present moment union with the self and other. It's a, it's about wholeness. It's about integration. And if you recall, we talked about the second yoga sutra, yoga's Chittavritti Naroda, which means yoga calms the fluctuations of the mind. Okay. So if yoga is designed to calm the fluctuations of the mind, and if yoga itself means union or to yoke, to come together, that would lead us to understand that I have to under, I have to know what the fluctuations are. Like I can't just say, okay, I'm going to practice some yoga because I heard it calms the fluctuations of the mind. That's only going to get you so far. Because what I like to remind people about yoga is that yoga brings your stuff up for you to look at. It brings it up like a bad lunch. It's right there in front of you. So you can study the philosophy of yoga. You can um, engage in the physical practices of yoga, the asana, the breath work, and so on. All of this is going to help you to unpack whether you're aware of it or not. That's why you're in a yoga class or that's why you're engaged in yoga. You might have walked into a yoga class because you heard it was relaxing or you heard it was healthy for you. But if you stay, you are going to be peeling away the layers, like you peel away the layers of an onion of yourself. You're going to be shown how you relate to self and other. That's what yoga does. It, it's unavoidable. And it's not for the faint of heart either. Um, so, so we need a manual. We, we need a blueprint because if, if yoga is about union, and yoga calms the fluctuations of the mind. I can't just wish yoga to calm the fluctuations of the mind. I have to look at those fluctuations. What makes my mind fluctuate is going to be different than what makes your mind fluctuate. Because my story is different than your story. So what upsets me might not bother you. If something elicits a big emotion in me and a big reactivity in me, it might be blasé to you. 
and vice versa. So yoga really is inviting us to get to know ourselves in a deep, profound way. It's, it's asking us to really begin with what is most tangible, our relationship to others and to ourselves. That's really what we're doing here in this human experience. We're, we're in relationship to ourself, to others, to the present moment. In Buddhism, they say, uh, the Buddha said that suffering is wanting the present moment to be other than what it is. That's suffering. Now, it could be something simple like it's raining and you wish it was sunny, or it's sunny and you wish it was snowing, it's hot, you wish it was cold, it's Tuesday, you wish it was Saturday. Yeah, so you can definitely suffer because the present moment isn't what you're wishing it to be. But of course, we know that when there's crisis in our life or when there's drama, uh, those moments we really suffer in because we really don't want what is happening to be happening. We want something else. So yoga says, okay, listen, these fluctuations are happening. They're in your mind. Why? Because you're walking through this human life. You've had stories and experiences and events happen in your life. You've got worry about the future. To whatever degree you are that way, you really, it's rare to find somebody walking through this human life not fragmented or having these vrittis. So this eight limb path, this Ashtanga yoga that Patanjali talks about, it's it's really a how-to, it's a, it's a manual. Now, the one word I wanna definitely suss out here is limb. We want to envision the tree of yoga. And we want to, one of the reasons that we want to be mindful of it being an eight, limbed path is because in my experience, it's best to not look at it as eight rungs, like rungs on a ladder, because it's not that. It's really this beautiful tree. And when we think of it as rungs on a ladder, sometimes that can feel like, okay, first rung, nailed it, fixed that one. Now I'm going to climb higher. I'm going to evolve higher. And it's not, that's not the visual that really supports the teachings. But if you think of yourself as swinging from limb to limb on the tree of your life, you'll realize sometimes you find yourself on a limb you've been on before. You know, it's a very flowing, uh, think of like the circle of life, you know, Lion King, but it, it is that. It's not mastery rung by rung. So when we look at this eight limb path as put forth by Patanjali, the first limb are the yamas. And the yamas have been, there are five yamas, and they've been defined in ways like the five moral restraints. Um, they've been defined as moral regulations or how you relate to others. Um, they invite us to notice how our actions affect not only ourselves, but others. Within those, within the yamas, the five are ahimsa, which is translated as nonviolence, satya, truthfulness, asteya, non-stealing, brahmacharya, moderation, aparagraha, non-hoarding. 
So we look at those five moral restraints. Now, the niyamas, which is the next limb, are the five observances. So if you can do math, which is not a strong suit of mine, the five yamas and the five niyamas, first and second limb of yoga, almost sound like the Ten Commandments. Of course they do, because it's all the same. It is simply given to us in from different cultures, from different teachings. So the five observances, the niyamas, this is how we look at our five practices and you'll you'll see once i give you what they are it's how they are going to strengthen our connection to ourselves and it kind of invites us to clean up our act if you will um to make space for this liberation to happen what liberation the liberation from being a prisoner to your thoughts the liberation from being shackled by the fluctuations that are coming from your stories. The only way we are going to be able to calm the fluctuations of the mind and find if even just a moment of peace is by looking at what causes our fluctuations. Okay, so what keeps us from feeling whole and united with the present moment? So the five niyamas, the five observances, this is, again, more about how you relate to yourself. We can think of the yamas as how you relate to others. But as we break those down, you'll see they also have to do with how you relate to yourself. But the niyamas, saucha means purity or cleanliness. Santosha, contentment. Tapas is a, a burning zeal. I think of it as a self-discipline. Svadhyaya is study of the self and study of the texts. Ishvara Pranadana is devotion to a higher power. Surrender. It's surrender. So you have your yamas, the niyamas. Those are the first and second limbs. Then the third limb is the asana. The asana. Asana means seat in Sanskrit. It is the posture that we take. It's these positions of the body. Now, most people that have experienced yoga, especially in the West, have a pretty good understanding of asana, of the poses. Triangle pose, headstand, shoulder stand, warrior two, all of these poses. They're great. They keep the body toned and healthy so that we can continue the self-study and the work. But the what we want to look at is that this is the third limb. So now that's not to say that we need to master the yamas and the niyamas before we can get to asana. No. But what we do like to look at with a little bit of a chuckle is the asana isn't the first limb. It's the third limb. And actually, it comes after five yamas and five niyamas. And yet in the West, we have taken the asana and blown it up and made it the most important. Now, we'll get a little bit more into that because today is simply an overview. This episode is an overview of the eight limb path. And then future episodes are going to be about breaking each limb down and seeing what they're all about and how they show up in our lives on and off the mat.
So that was the third limb. The fourth limb is pranayam, which has been defined as mindful breathing, breath control. Your breath is directly related to your nervous system. And that one I can't wait to unpack with y'all because breathing is everything. As Sharon Salzberg says, if you can breathe, you can meditate. But the way you breathe, your habit of breathing is directly related to fight, flight, freeze, or collapse. Your adrenaline, your rest and digest, your vagus nerve. And we're going to go into all of that on the pranayama episode. The next limb is pratyahara. Pratyahara, I define as withdrawal of the senses. So briefly, it's some will define it as turning inward. This limb is about being able to cultivate the skill of not being so easily distracted by your environment and reactive to your environment. So if you're able to draw your senses in, all of them, then you won't be uh, so easily fluctuated, right? Your mind will not be fragmented and fluctuated all over the place. And you'll see how when we go back and look at the yamas, let's look at ahimsa, let's look at nonviolence and how that shows up in our life. You'll see that cultivating a strength in all of these limbs will begin to make withdrawal of the senses more uh, readily available to you. Right now, it might find like, you might find that you're easily distracted or you, you, um, you're reactive, like if there's a loud sound. These things are speaking to the state of your nervous system. So when we talk about pratyahara and we break it down, we'll talk more about practices to be able to have the experience of withdrawing the senses, what that might be like. And then the next limb is dharana, concentration, being able to focus, being able to focus fully on an, on an object outside of yourself, because that's what the next limb is, dhyana, meditation. And meditation is about being able to place your attention wholly and fully on the object of your choice. We've talked about this in previous episodes about meditation. You're not going to get there if you don't hone the skill of concentration. You're not going to be able to fully concentrate if you're easily reactive. Your senses are too sensitive and so on and so forth. You're not going to be able to get there to this place of meditation, even if for a moment, if you are not conscious of how ahimsa or satya nonviolence and truthfulness are showing up in your life in what way, in what form. It all goes together. It's one big happy tree. And then finally, the final limb is samadhi. I like to define samadhi as complete absorption. Uh, you can also hear it defined as union of the self with the object of meditation. I'm looking forward to unpacking that one. Samadhi is liberation. Liberation from what? Reactivity to the present moment, fluctuations, attachment to the story, all the things. So 
this is the eight limb path of yoga. Again, if you visualize it as a tree, they call the roots are the yamas are the roots. The niyama would be represented by the trunk of the tree. The branches are the asana. The leaves are the pranayam, the breath work. The bark is the pratyahara. The, the bark is almost the protective layer of the tree. And the ability to be able to turn inward in pratyahara, withdraw your senses, is a way to, to protect yourself from the fluctuations that are going to come if you're too easily drawn this way or that. Uh, dharana is the sap that runs through the tree. Dhyana, the meditation, are the flowers that bloom on your beautiful tree. And samadhi, the complete absorption, the wholeness of it all, the liberation of it all, is represented in the fruit of the tree. So that's a visual that you will hear uh, often when talking about yoga. The Eightfold Path will be the tree of yoga. Um, the yamas and the niyamas bring us into right relationship with ourselves, others, and the divine. Um, we all know that Judeo-Christian golden rule, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. The yamas show us how to practice that. So in the next episode, I will be breaking down and talking about ahimsa, non-harming, non-violence, sometimes translated as love and kindness and compassion. And we'll talk about how Ahimsa shows up in our life, shows up in the world. And once we start to be able to unpack these different teachings from Patanjali, you'll start to see how shining light on them in your own life will begin to support you on the path to union, to wholeness. That is yoga. Uh, again, it's not enough to just wish for the fluctuations to stop. We actually have to study the self and see what our habits are, what our story is, and what tools work for us in order to find ease in ourselves, in our life. Um, be less tormented by our story and step more wholly and fully into the beauty and the grace of the present moment. Um, and therefore, finding in that present moment connection with the divine. Uh, so thank you for listening. I look forward to climbing the tree of yoga with you in future episodes. My hands together in prayer position at the heart center. May all beings be happy and peaceful. May all beings be healthy and strong. May all beings be safe and protected. May all beings live with ease. Namaste.